Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. So back in 2021, I had the honor of speaking at the 50th birthday party of one of my readers named Stephanie. Stephanie wanted to throw a fun party, not to shine the spotlight on herself, but to bless her friends and family. It was an easy yes because I loved Stephanie's heart, and when she told me that she was determined to bring joy back into the lives of the people that she loves after a hard couple of years, I knew I had to be part of this night. Clearly, 50 has its obvious downside, especially in terms of health issues that start popping up. But the upside of starting this decade is wisdom. And as Stephanie's sister-in-law pointed out that night at our dinner table, 50 is clarifying. By this age, you know what is good for you, who is good for you, and what influences to allow in your life. Done right and with the right people by your side, your life second act can be a beautiful new chapter full of hope, freedom, and purpose. This episode is the talk that I gave at Stephanie's party. It's special to me since this is the milestone year that my friends and I are turning 50, and my husband and I both are turning 50 right here in August and September. If you are in or near this stage of life yourself, or simply wondering what it may bring, I hope it fuels your optimism and excitement for the road ahead. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, and most importantly, happy birthday to our dear friend Stephanie Powell. I can't help but point out the obvious and say on behalf of everyone here, how lucky are we to know someone like Stephanie who is using her 50th birthday as an opportunity to bless others. In fact, when Stephanie and I messaged about this party, she said this about all of you. I want them to hear one message loud and clear. They are loved, their story is special, and I'm grateful for each of them. I am determined to bring some joy back into the lives of people I love after a hard couple of years. Wow. Doing the work that I do, while I hear stories all the time about the pain that's so common in friendship today, I can assure you that there are so many people who would give their right arm to have a friend who loves them, like Stephanie loves all of you. The Stephanies of our world are pretty rare, yet the older we get, the more likely we are to meet someone like Stephanie, someone with the maturity and wisdom to know that real joy comes from giving back and making others feel loved. So like Stephanie and many of you here, I'm in a transitional season of life. I just turned 49, so I've been reflecting on the years behind me and also dreaming about the years ahead. What I've realized about the future is that I have to stay adaptable and constantly ready to pivot. I just dropped my oldest daughter off at college, and in seven years, I'll be an empty nester. From this moment on, my home will be a revolving door. Life as I've known it for the past 18 years will never be exactly the same. The future isn't clearly mapped out like it was when my kids were little, and I knew that they'd be going to elementary school, then junior high, then high school, and then college. Even the dynamics in our home will constantly fluctuate as my four daughters come and go according to their schedules. And while it's exciting to think about the fun that's ahead as they fly into new chapters and experiences like college, careers, and possibly marriage and motherhood, it's also kind of unsettling to not have a roadmap. I like predictability, yet the older we get, the more uncertain the future looks. I have no idea what this next decade will bring, where my girls will live, what passions they'll discover, or who will impact their lives. Right now, I have more questions than answers about the road ahead, but I did have an epiphany recently before taking my oldest daughter to college. It was an aha moment about starting something new. My daughter Ella is currently a freshman at Auburn. She loves it, and she is so happy. Like her friends from high school, she was ready to leave the nest. There were so many times her senior year when she'd say, I can't wait to go to college, and it didn't hurt my feelings because I was thankful she felt so ready and excited, 
and I was surprised by how excited that I felt for her. The one time I did feel sadness over her readiness to leave came during spring break her senior year when I insisted on one last family trip to the Florida Keys. We planned the trip in December, yet just a few weeks before spring break, Ella's friend group booked a beach trip. Ella had major FOMO and didn't want to miss it, but since we'd already bought plane tickets, she was stuck with us. In my head, I imagined her getting swept away by all the family fun we'd have, yet at several points during spring break, I saw sadness on her face as she looked at her phone and saw her best friends together without her. At first, it hurt my feelings, but then when I thought about it, I realized that I was the same way at her age. I wanted to be with my friends, even though I loved my family dearly. And I asked myself, what do I want for Ella? Do I want the alternative to what I see right now? Would I rather Ella cling to me and not want to venture out or go to college? Would I rather her be so attached to our family that she'd rather stay with us than be with her friends? That sounded terrible when I really thought about it. And I realized then how much harder it would be to see her resist this natural transition into young adulthood. God used those spring break moments to help me start letting go. He reminded me that my daughter was ready and I could praise him for that gift. I also felt lucky since Auburn is only two hours from Birmingham and an easy day trip for us. Many of her high school friends were also headed to Auburn, which gave me some peace. And though I knew I would miss her like crazy, I also couldn't wait to see what God had in store for her. Well, fast forward a few months to the week before college drop-off. All the logistics were done, and suddenly I had time to sit with my feelings. What nobody told me was how emotional I would feel this week when all I could think about was how much we'd miss her and how different our home and family would be. I wanted to cry and grieve and just sit with my thoughts. I planned some fun things with Ella that week, but my favorite memory was a long walk that we took one night. Somehow, we got into a deep talk about college and this new chapter. Out of the blue, Ella expressed her fears, worries, and doubts. I didn't expect it because up until this point, she'd felt pretty confident and sure. She was ready for this next chapter and couldn't wait. But now, on the verge of the actual transition, she was doubting herself. She didn't feel so sure anymore, and her mind was spinning with questions. What if I can't find my way? What if rush doesn't go well? What if I can't do my laundry or handle life on my own? What if, what if, what if? They were all legitimate questions, and as I listened to her doubt herself, something inside me flipped. I realized that my job from that moment on was to be her cheerleader. My old job of parenting her daily was over, and my new job was to assure her again and again and again that she was ready for this new challenge and the challenges to come. My job was to boost her confidence when she started to doubt herself. So I told Ella, you are so ready. I wouldn't let you go if you weren't ready. And just because you don't have all the answers doesn't mean you're not ready. Just because you make a mistake or get lost doesn't mean you're not ready. From now on in your life, you will constantly face new chapters and transitions. And just when you feel like you've gotten your feet under you in one season, you'll be thrown into an entirely new season to start. I told Ella she'd figure out her freshman year, and then as she reached a place of confidence with that, she'd face new challenges as a sophomore, and then a junior, and then a senior. After college, she'd face another major transition in the working world, and after that, possibly more transitions in marriage and motherhood. I went on to explain how the transitions really amp up in motherhood. With that first baby, there's a huge learning curve, and just when you gain a little confidence there, you face a new learning curve as a mom of two, or a mom of three, or a mom of a kindergartner, or a mom of a middle schooler. I reminded Ella that even at my age, the transitions continue. Right now, I'm learning how to be the mom of a college student. I'm learning how to launch the three sisters coming up behind her. I'm learning how to refocus on my health and my marriage and also be the adult as we lose the parents and the generation that raised and shaped us. 
Life constantly forces us to change and evolve, and this season that many of us are in is hard. It's a season filled with more funerals than weddings and more letting go of our babies rather than welcoming new babies into the world. But God in His goodness prepares us. He paves the way as every season we enter builds on the seasons that preceded it. I think my answer made Ella feel better. And what I realized after this conversation is how the same advice applies to you ladies here today and also to me. How often in life do we not feel ready for a new chapter and suddenly doubt ourselves? How often do we panic on the verge of a change? How often do we question God's sovereignty and where He has us because we feel unequipped and don't have a roadmap? Most importantly, how often do we need a cheerleader, somebody to reaffirm us and tell us we're ready when what we really want to do is crawl back into our shell and stay in a place that feels safe and familiar? Life is unpredictable, and when the road ahead is not clear, it's natural to cling to the past or what we even consider our glory days. But God wants us to move forward with hope, confidence, and freedom. He wants us to trust Him and feel optimism about our future because when we do life with Jesus, we know the best is yet to come. In Ella's case, her doubts faded as soon as she got to Auburn. Her move-in day was actually so fun, and her roommate's mom and I agreed that the day felt magical. It was a grace from God that in the five hours our family spent getting their dorm room ready, there was joy, there was laughter, and there was even peace as we said goodbye through tears. Five years ago, the thought of taking my daughter to college only broke my heart, but when that day actually arrived, there was a thrill mixed in with the emotions. As we met girls in her hall and I saw new friendships begin, I realized how some of these girls might become her lifelong friends. They might be bridesmaids in her wedding or colleagues in a future job. They would be her family away from home. Again, this was God's grace. He took a day that I had dreaded for years and made it joyful. Chances are you've heard the saying, God's grace comes exactly when you need it and not a moment sooner, and it really is true. The reason why we can't imagine coping with a hard event that is five years away two years away or even one week away is because we don't have the grace for it yet. Grace comes in God's time and we don't get the grace we need for tomorrow, today. We won't get the grace we need to be the parent of a kindergartner or a college student until we actually have a kindergartner or college student. Waiting for grace to come is unsettling, but this waiting is what makes us depend on God. It makes us pray and ask for our daily bread. While every new season brings new challenges, what never ever changes is the God who equips us, cheers for us, and assures us we are ready when life feels overwhelming. So how does this translate to major life milestones like turning 50? What makes us doubt ourselves as we're on the brink of something new? Well, for me and many women I know, adulthood brings a lot of wrestling. And as our children grow up and become more self-sufficient, we have more time to sit with our thoughts and reflect on our lives. Our wrestling may look like this. We want to be a better mom, wife, sister, daughter, and friend yet we also crave more time for ourselves. We long for a purpose, yet we wonder if our purpose is over once our kids leave home. We want to believe in goodness, yet we've seen the trauma, suffering, and tragic realities of living in a broken and fallen world. We want to give love freely and generously, yet we fear rejection or pushback from the people we love most. We're still parents to adult children, yet we can't control the choices of our adult children or quickly troubleshoot their problems like we did when they were young. We dream of being part of our teenager's world, yet we fear that they won't let us into that world. We want to be active, healthy, and strong, yet health issues and limitations dictate what our body can do. We want peace and a good night's sleep, yet worrying about our people keeps us awake at night. We want to embrace new beginnings, yet we feel stuck in some regret. 
We try to be optimistic, yet our hearts feel heavy every time we see the news and hear about the unthinkable horrors in our world. We long for deeper friendships, yet we're scared to be real or vulnerable, or we're not motivated to put in the work. We want to love our bodies, yet we look in the mirror and see the telltale signs of aging. We want to be joyful and upbeat, yet some days our mood swings and hormones get the best of us. We want to believe the best is yet to come, yet we wonder if our best days are over. Finally, we try to be strong for everyone, yet some days we just want to scream, resign, and let someone else be strong for once. So raise your hand if your wrestling has ever looked like something that I just described. Keep your hand raised if you beat yourself up and never feel like you're doing a good enough job as a mother, wife, daughter, sister, friend, or human being. If you look around, it quickly becomes clear that we all expect too much of ourselves. We carry the weight of the world on our shoulders and fear what may happen if the mothership goes down. Mothers and women tend to be the glue of families and homes, and the older we get, the more inner strength we need to handle the needs of our people and love them well. Yet one mistake we often make is believing that we, as women and mothers, are superhuman. The fact is, we're just human. We have limitations in our roles as mothers, women, and givers. And like every human being on this earth, we need grace, compassion, rest, and margin. We need relationships that cultivate strength and a stubborn hope that won't give up. We need a God we can lean on and give our burdens to when the load becomes too much. I've written a book about a mother's needs that releases next April. When my editors asked for another parenting book, I told them the biggest issue I'm seeing among moms today is depletion. Too often, we parent from a place of emptiness, anxiety, mental overload, hopelessness, and overwhelm. We go through the motions and we may look capable on the outside, but on the inside, we're fading and losing steam. I'm a big believer that we can only take our children as far as we've come, and that raising healthy kids begins with them seeing a healthy mom. So I wrote a book about a mother's wellness from the inside out. I wanted a book that I could hand to a weary or discouraged mom that brings hope, renewal, and positive change. The title of this book is More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive. And what I hope women take away from this book is the understanding that our greatest life purpose, even greater than motherhood or any support role that we play, is to know, love, and serve God. And when we find our identity in Christ and value ourselves as God's creation, it changes how we see ourselves and take care of ourselves. It reminds us that we have a purpose beyond our family and home. To me, this brings a lot of peace. It brings hope for the road ahead because even as we continue to love, support, and cheer for our family, God will use us in new ways and for new purposes. He'll call us out of our comfort zones with new passions and dreams. He'll take the greatest asset that we've cultivated over the years, our mother's heart, and use it to better the world. Most importantly, He'll give us the time and energy we need to deepen our relationship with Him and our friends. This matters because we need our faith and our friendships. We need more inner strength and real community to handle the big league stress of living through a global pandemic and handling real-life adult problems like death, divorce, addiction, job loss, financial loss, a health crisis, a wayward child, and other painful realities. Even events that follow the normal course of life, like letting our babies go, can keep a mother awake at night. We need a God and friends who understand. Tim Keller, in his book on marriage, wisely wrote, Marriage provides a profound shock absorber that helps you navigate disappointments, illnesses, and other difficulties. You recover your equilibrium faster. I agree, and I also believe that strong friendships can act as shock absorbers as well. Women have a gift for making bad days feel better. 
We have a special intuition that instinctively tells us what a hurting heart needs. A friend of mine, for instance, went through a painful divorce years ago due to her husband's infidelity. She'd spent years pouring her heart and soul into their dream home, only to have to sell this home when he left her for the other woman. The house sold quickly, but as you'd imagine, it was a tough sell for her. So that night, her real estate agent, who was also her dear friend, brought over two wine glasses and a bottle of wine. They sat on her porch to talk and cry, letting my friend grieve the end of that bittersweet chapter. All of us have the ability to be a friend like that. Whether it's a $10 bottle of wine, an invitation to go on a walk, an offer to pick up the kids, dropping off Motrin when someone is sick, or words of affirmation to counter self-doubt, we can be the friend we hope to have in our own dark hours. But even the best friends on this planet will never be perfect, and that's why our faith must ultimately be rooted in God. If we look to people to solve the problems that only God can solve, we'll be frustrated and disappointed. We'll expect too much from our friends and may even move on the second they let us down. But if we show grace to other women, if we remember how we are a community of sinners in desperate need of a Savior, then we can share our weaknesses and flaws. We can cheer each other on and leave space for human failures because we put Jesus, not our friends, on the pedestal. We've kept friends and faith in the rightful places. This is how we're meant to live with unity and strength, and with uplifting people in our corner who help us become our strongest, most courageous self. Recently, I heard a mother say that every age has its own magic. She was talking about children, but this is true at every age. We're all aware of the downside of hitting 50, but what about the upside? What is the magic of the half-century mark? How do you get better and wiser with time? Here are a few thoughts on that. By age 50, we've had some close calls with death. We've had 911 calls and ER visits. We've seen people die too young and watched how a three-second decision or event can alter someone's life forever. We understand the fragility of life and begin to celebrate our birthdays again, treating each one as a gift. By age 50, we've known love and we've known loss. We felt the joy of holding a newborn baby and the grief of saying goodbye to someone we aren't sure we can live without. These joys and sorrows combined make us more grateful and compassionate. They stretch our hearts and our capacity to love. By age 50, we know who's good for us. We felt the difference between a good influence and a toxic friend, a restorative night of sleep and a wild night on the town, an honorable man and a con artist. We've tested the waters and come to see why the choices we make and the company we keep really do matter. By age 50, we're a better judge of character. We aren't so charmed by charisma or what impressed us in our 20s, like extravagance or Hollywood glamour. While we certainly need money and work hard to earn money, we've also seen the damage that the love of money can do in relationships and family. By age 50, we know who and what we sacrifice our life for. We think beyond ourselves and find purpose through our loved ones and passion projects. By age 50, we've met people who make our hearts sing and people who make our blood boil. We've met A to Z on the likability scale and been tested in kindness and patience. This crystallizes our vision of who we help to become and the mistakes we'd like to avoid. By age 50, we can give grace, but not be naive. We understand the need for discernment and seeking God's help to know who we can actually trust. When deciding what to believe, we consider the source. We're more aware of hidden motives and secret agendas. By age 50, we value prayer and humility. We like quotes like this from St. Augustine. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. After searching for peace in all the wrong places, we finally find it by settling down and being still with Him. 
By age 50, we've seen how lives can suddenly implode. We realize how our 30s were all about growth, having babies, growing families, building careers, buying bigger homes, stepping up in job promotions, while our 40s bring some hard hips and collapse. Even if we don't weather a storm personally, we'll walk through a storm with a friend. We see shakeups happen overnight and prove that the only thing we can never lose is our relationship with God. By age 50, we want to apologize to our moms. When our teenagers hurt our feelings, we remember ourselves at their age and feel guilty for once believing that our moms only existed to serve us. We look back on our childhood and cut our parents some slack as we realize that they were human. We hope that one day, our children will do the same for us. By age 50, we also hope to be good role models. We have big kids who will always remember what they witness in our lives now. That is powerful motivation to deal with our baggage and get ourselves into a good place. Otherwise, we'll lose credibility and the relationship we want with our growing kids. By age 50, we've had a wake-up call with our health. We've realized that we only get one body in life, and it might have to last us another 50 years, so we better be good to it. This makes us try crazy new things like kale smoothies and gluten-free pizza. It inspires new habits and health goals. By age 50, we've stopped chasing impossible ideals. We find peace in being good enough and living an imperfect yet honest life. By age 50, we know which friends are keepers. We value friends like Stephanie, who create unforgettable nights like this and love with all their heart. We seek quality friendships over quantity friendships and thank our lucky stars for the true friends in our lives. By age 50, we go back to those relationships that were central to our world before children. This includes our marriage, old friends, and even sibling relationships. Reconnecting brings back memories of who we used to be and what we once enjoyed. It leads us back home to our truest self. By age 50, we can give thanks for the life we lived and anticipate the road ahead. We know our children on a deeper level and can love them more like dear friends. We add new roles as coaches, counselors, and mentors. We become prayer warriors and entrust our children to the Lord, who loves them more than we do. Finally, by age 50, we long to connect to something bigger than ourselves. We feel our humanity, our weaknesses, and our struggles. Freedom comes when we admit our need for Jesus and the security that only He can provide to our searching heart. In his book, The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, Go back, he thought, no good at all. Go sideways, impossible. Go forward, only thing to do. On we go. This is the attitude I hope you'll carry as you walk through the doorway of your next life transition. If you feel unsure about what's ahead, that is perfectly normal. If you feel sad about the chapter you're leaving, that is normal too. And if you're wrestling with tensions and more questions than answers, that is normal as well. But as I told my daughter before she left for college, just because you experience self-doubt doesn't mean that you're not ready. Just because you make a mistake or don't have a roadmap doesn't mean you're not ready either. You're ready for your next milestone because God has spent your entire life preparing you for it. All roads have led to this one, the second act of your life. A Benedictine nun named Sister Joan Chittister recently released a book where she wrote, The only way to deal with the future is to respond to its call to shape it. Never forget that you have the power to shape the road ahead. You aren't at the mercy of your circumstances or your past, because when you walk with Jesus Christ, He transforms you from the inside out. He gives you the Holy Spirit to equip you and use you to grow God's kingdom on the road ahead. So surround yourself with uplifting voices and cheerleaders. Reaffirm each other on days of panic and when the negative self-talk gets loud. Believe in yourself, believe in goodness, and believe in God's promises. 
Don't let the heartache of a broken world cloud your vision or ruin your hope for the future. No hardship or trial lasts forever, and any joy that we do experience here on earth only foreshadows the paradise still ahead. The best is yet to come. You are human, not superhuman, and that changes everything. You need rest, renewal, and time to reflect on where you've been and where you're going. So cast a vision for your future, but take it one step at a time. Remember that your direction matters more than your speed, and it's better to take one step in the right direction than a hundred steps in the wrong direction. Give yourself grace, give your friends grace, and trust that God's grace will show up exactly when you need it and not a moment sooner. Just as your children are embarking on grand new adventures, so are you. There's a magic to every age, and age 50 is no exception. Age 30 or 70 is no exception either. You have wisdom, experience, and health on your side. You are healthy enough to join us tonight, and you've already made it further in life than many people born the same year as you, so don't waste that gift. Praise God for the plans He has for you that you can't even see yet. There's always something to complain about and always a negative bandwagon you can join. But if you want to live a positive life, if you want to make your next 30, 40, or 50 years ahead your best years yet, then guard your heart, mind, and soul from the dark influences of this world. Spend time with God and remember Ephesians 5.1, which says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. More important than your identity as a mother, Wife, daughter, sister, friend, colleague, or even a CEO is your identity as a child of God. Let that be the lens through which you see yourself. Let that be the foundation for your next chapter. Let that be the reason that you show love and light, because your confidence is rooted in your maker and the purpose you're here to serve. Your life matters, and whether you are 25, 50, 75, or 100 years old, you are a blessing to this world and you've been given the blessing of time to leave this world better than you found it. Use your time wisely and never take for granted a trip around the sun, a milestone you get to celebrate, or a friend like Stephanie who loves you with all her heart and wants you to know how significant and valuable you are to her, and more importantly, to God. Thank you for coming tonight, and God bless all of you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow the Girl Mom Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a ratings or review so others can find these messages too. Also, my new book for moms called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive is now available everywhere books are sold. This book is for girl moms and boy moms and full of encouragement no matter what season of parenting you're in. Find the link to this book and my other books in the show notes. Thanks again for your support and have a great day.